Welcome to Beyond the Habit. Moving beyond everyday assumptions of what it means to be Catholic and live the gospel with two Catholic sisters. Who are trying to find common ground, create unity, and talk about real life issues. Led by two sisters of St. Joseph. That's us. I'm Sister Erin McDonald. And I'm Sister Colleen Gibson. Here we are again for another Getting to Know Us, Who Are We episode. And so I'm excited to chat with you a little bit more today. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, you know, living easy. Uh, I'm excited (laughs) to talk about the maxims. I think they're really, you know, important to who we are as Sisters of St. Joseph, and I'm excited for people to hear about them. Yeah, me too. And I think it'll be a really interesting conversation because sometimes the maxims are, I think, a little known gem um, in our congregation, our spirituality. So I think it'll be fun to share some of some more of our own life and story and our own prayer relationship with um, the maxims while also inviting folks into this part of our spirituality that might feel fruitful or helpful or interesting to others. So in that vein, let's get to it. So Colleen, do you want to start us off a bit? We're talking about these maxims. What are these things? Right. So you might have these first like few minutes of the podcast, you might be like, what are they talking about? (laughs) What is a maxim? Uh, So, you know, a maxim is simply a short, pithy saying. Uh, You could think of it like a fortune cookie. It's like a little wisdom (laughs) saying. Uh, And we as Sisters of St. Joseph have a hundred of them. So our founder, Jean-Pierre Madai, a Jesuit priest, he passed these 100 short sayings, these maxims, onto our first sisters, because our first sisters, for the most part, were illiterate. They couldn't read, they couldn't write. And so the easiest way to pass on who we are as sisters of St. Joseph was to have them learn these short sayings. And so throughout our history, our sisters have memorized the maxims or taken them to heart. Some people are attracted to different ones. And later, I think we'll talk about, you know, our favorite maxims or ones that we kind of like, oh, I'm not so sure about. But these hundred sayings kind of sum up who we are as sisters of St. Joseph. And, you know, we say as sisters of St. Joseph, we're all about relationship. And the maxims focus on three primary relationships in our lives, our relationship with God, our relationship with our neighbor, and our relationship with ourselves. And we know that no one of those relationships is independent. They're always intertwined. The way I love God is reflected in how I love my neighbor, is reflected in how I love myself. And so Jean-Pierre Madai, when he passed on these sayings, gave them to our sisters so that they knew what it was to be a sister of St. Joseph and what it meant to live the gospel out in the world. And I think that's where, for us, you know, today, here we are going to talk about what is it that the Maxims, you know, do for us? Like, how do they speak to us? And I know in the formation process, so for those of you tuning in going, oh, golly, what's formation? It's basically kind of like nun school that we go through for a bunch of years to prepare ourselves for making this final uh, perpetual commitment 
to the vowed life as Catholic sisters, as sisters of St. Joseph. And so part of our formation, our, our nun school, is studying the Maxims. Um, I first learned about them, or I wouldn't even really say learned about them, but I think I first encountered them before I entered formation mm-hmm. or, you know, kind of my nun school journey. I actually lived in community with the Sisters of St. Joseph in Wheeling, West Virginia, as a young discerner. Um, so for a couple of years prior to making a formal commitment to being a sister, I was, you know, kind of trying things out and living with our sisters, praying with our sisters, you know, doing some volunteer work with our sisters. I was also studying. I was in college, taking college classes. So it was at that point that these maxims would kind of pop up and they were something that sort of caught my attention, but I, you know, found myself sort of drawn to some of them. And some of them, I was like, oh, that's a head scratcher. I wonder what that means, you know? Um, so I think my first introduction was was really outside of an opportunity of like formal learning about them. It just was kind of encountering them, um, you know, in a prayer that our sisters put together or, you know, sometimes on a greeting card, <laughs> you know, sometimes you find them on, you know, greeting cards from our communities or on posters on the wall and things like that. And so um, that's where I first encountered them. Where did you first encounter them, Colleen? I was actually, uh, I did a volunteer year with our sisters. I quit my, I was working um, before I ever met our sisters uh, and I left my job to do a year of service. And so during our orientation, you know, the maxims popped up and I can remember, you know, the first maxim that resonated for me, you know, maxim 16 in everything and everywhere have only God, God's will and God's glory before your eyes and make no account of anything else, which like, that's a a mouthful. It's a big phrase, which oftentimes our maxims can feel like that because they were written in the 17th century in 1650 France. Um, and they're translated from French. So it's like, it's old timey language, plus it's a different time. So because of that, it can feel like a lot. But I remember in the course of this orientation with our sisters, as I was getting to know them and, you know, in a heap of transition and just not knowing like, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) How did I get here? And this phrase, you know, coming across, I'm sure that they shared a ton of maxims, during that time. And, you know, as you said, they like pop up on cards, they're everywhere. But I just remember that maxim jumping out at me. And like this idea that like, if I can just keep God before my eyes in everything, then I'll be okay. You know, I don't need to make an account for anything else. I don't need to make an account for like why I'm worried about this or why I didn't do this quite right or anything like that. I don't have to justify myself. I just need to stay focused on God. It's like the line from Hebrews, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And so like that sense of like, just keep God's will in your heart. That's what got you here. And then do everything for God's glory. It's good, Mm -hmm. you know, Ignatian spirituality, do everything for the greater glory of God. So, you know, that's where I encountered them. But I think sometimes we're really attracted to them. And then other times there are maxims that I think, oh, oh, I don't like that maxim. There's one, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it's like, you know, advance all good works till near completion. And then let somebody else finish it and take the credit for it. And I think like, that's like, oof, uh, I'm not not quite sure. It's about virtues. That's what the maxims are about, Mm -hmm. practicing virtues. And like in the 17th century, like that's a really good sense of, you know, humility to really like step back and say, I did all this work and somebody else is going to get the credit for it. 
Yeah. And there are a number of them because I was uh, reviewing some of the maxims before we were preparing to record our episode today. And I also found myself rereading some of them and thinking, ooh, that one hits a soft spot in me here. A, a number of them were related to pride, right? In the mm-hmm. sense of like, I know that I, you know, that's something certainly like riddled with pride. And and so some of these maxims that challenge, you know, this sense of humility or this sense of like sharing in the work. And I think, yeah, that underlying a lot of our maxims is the virtues and, and how are we called each of us in our own way to grow in God's grace, to grow in our relationship with God and one another, because I think it's about intentionality. You know, it, it's prayer and faithfulness and relationship with Christ and scripture. It's like, to me, at least how I think of it is I go to the gym and I work out and I have to commit, I have to be intentional about physical health and exercising and, and the commitment and the practice. And yet the same is true for my prayer life. Like it is similar. Like I have to have intentionality and commitment and, and it isn't always easy and I have to kind of keep working through it. And I think the maxims are, you know, in ways can be a tool, you know, to kind of help us flex those prayer muscles a bit of like, Ooh, that's something that, you know, I should uh, maybe pray with that a little bit more. Like sometimes things hit you in different ways at different points in your life too. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, I think, you know, as you're saying, Colleen, I find are very short and simple, but yet they're really helpful. And like, I think of Maxim 69, which is, you know, this kind of stay in the present moment and trust the future to God. And I find like, that's a really helpful mantra for me as someone who tends to not always be the most mindful, (laughs) as some of my, my housemates will tell you, you know, because I tend to be making my breakfast in the morning. And I'm putting the the dry cereal box in the refrigerator when I'm done Mm -hmm. because my brain is already racing ahead to the day and the meetings and the to-do list. And did I remember to put this in my backpack to go to walk to work this morning? And I'm not really present to the sacredness of the moment. Um, So sometimes the maxim can come across as like really simple, but it can be very profound in that way, that invitation to the sacredness of the present moment, the holy in the present moment, the person in front of you, next to you, you know, the task at hand. Because I think mindfulness is a growing edge for a lot of us that we're constantly multitasking. You know, I'm scrolling on my phone while I'm also trying to cook dinner or whatever and how to invite myself into the present moment in a way that allows me to experience the divine. Again, sort of referencing Ignatian spirituality, that sense of finding God in all things. And that's, you know, Jean-Pierre Medai, French Jesuit, that was his inspiration too, was like, hey, these maxims are a way to invite people into the divine and day-to-day life in the moment. And his inspiration of like, you know, when you read about him, he was inspired in his own prayer life that all may be one. Mm-hmm. And these maxims are ways to, you know, help us cultivate that in ourselves. Well, and I think, you know, it speaks to that mindfulness piece, but because they're short enough that you can memorize them, oftentimes I will find like throughout the day, like phrases will come back to me, maxims will come back to me, whether it's, you know, I'm praying with this specific maxim, like the one you mentioned about like being mindful, like having, you know, God 
right there in this moment. But, you know, I'll be talking with other sisters and, and these phrases will come back. And it's kind of like, you know, like rote prayer, like prayers that we say all the time, they just become a part of us. And I think, you know, Father Madai, he was a preacher. And so he was going around preaching. And so to have like a hook that people can grab onto is really powerful spiritually that like, you know, when I'm sitting with my sisters and I'm really frustrated because somebody did something and I can go, no, we need to interpret everything in the most favorable sense. Like that's a classic maxim is, you know, interpret everything in the most favorable sense, in the most positive light to say, you know, I might not know everything in this situation. I might not know what's happening in that person's life, but it's not that I'm thinking, oh, let me quote, you know, maxim. I don't even know what maxim that is, you know, but not let me quote maxim 52 to my sisters. Like that's a good way to like not make friends in community. Be like, oh, let me tell you what maxim number I'm going to quote to you. But like, I think they come naturally. They come naturally in our conversation with one another in our prayer that they surface and they're there because we repeat them over and over again to the point where they become a part of who we are. They become a part of our everyday life. Yeah. We don't even realize sometimes that we're saying them or praying with them or, you know, living them out in some way. And I think there's various translations of them. So if you're a listener and you're thinking, oh gosh, I'm going to go look these up. Um, you know, you can, you can Google them. You can go to the Sisters of St. Joseph of Philadelphia website you know, there's various sources for them and there are various translations. And I, I note that because I think that the language is at times for some can be a bit of a challenge because the language of the 17th century is a little different <laughs> than it would be today. But there are various translations that might speak to you that speak to me in, in different ways. Um, I think the spirit and the heart of them is the same, even in some of those very original translations. You know, if you really sit with them and pray with the spirit of them, um, that transcends time. I know like for myself, I was rereading some of them this morning and one that struck me that feels very relevant is Maxim 92, which is really this, you know, God's holy love is always at work in us. We never arrive, but we are always a work in progress. And that translation in that language feels really significant for me because I suspect this is true for a lot of people, but I know that I can easily get caught up in this sense of like, you know, am I enough? Am I doing enough? You know, you have a world that comes in on us of, you know, you're not successful enough. You're not smart enough. You haven't achieved enough or these concerns of I can't put myself out there. Like this maxim, I think <laughs> to me is, is a sense of comfort of like, I am enough just as I am. That each one of us is a beautiful and perfect creation loved by God as we are. And I find that like a helpful little, you know, that can be like a little mantra that grounds each one of us, you know, in the sense of God's great love for us, in us, around us, in all that we do and, and who we are. And I think that's a needed, like that feels like a needed <laughs> maxim in our world is this sense of like kind of helping us understand that, you know, you are a work in progress and that's okay. God knows that. And God is with us on that journey of growing and learning. And so I don't know, some of them, I think the translation can make it feel more significant sometimes as well. But I really resonated with that particular translation as I was rereading this morning. And I think like over time, you know, our interpretations soften of them. Like, you know, they can seem severe, 
Like when we were saying, like when you first read them, they can seem really severe because they often like in some translations, you know, they're called the maxims of the little institute. In some, they're called the maxims of perfection. So like this idea, like you need to be perfect. But to say like, oh, no, 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 we don't mean like you have no faults. Like you have to be absolutely perfect. It means you have to be most fully who you were made to be. Mm. You have to be who God created you to be. And so I think that's even you're citing, you know, Maxim 92. Like it's how are you working today towards the glory of God fully alive in who you are as a human person? And like that's probably not the language they would have used in the 17th century, and we can be really tough on ourselves. And I think for a long time, the maxims were used as like a standard for perfection when really they're like an encouragement. They're like a guidebook along the way. Um, and so it's finding those translations that work for you. Yeah. You know, in the moment, you know, sometimes you might need to be in the seventies of the maxims. Sometimes you might need to be, you know, maxims one through 10. Um, but I think, you know, it's fun because like I was once on a road trip with a sister and in her glove compartment in her car, we have like the directory, which has all the sisters phone numbers and things in it. And she had a book of the maxims for some reason. It was a really long road trip. We were driving, uh, I think it was like eight hours. And so we started to like kind of lose it as we were going. <laughs> so we started playing like Maxim roulette, like you would flip the book open and be like, okay, this is the maxim that you need right now. And it was a great experience because it was like, oh, I haven't read that Maxim 83 since since I was in formation, since I was a novice. You know, I haven't I haven't heard it. And how is it meeting me now in my life in this moment? I mean, like Maxim 16, when it struck me as, you know, a volunteer looking forward to like, what's this experience going to be like? When I read it now, it has a different meaning because I'm in a different place in my life. And I think that's one of the beauties about the maxims is that they accompany us and that we grow into them and we we realize different things about them. And we realize that some things don't change about ourselves. You know, I will always struggle with certain things or I will always strive for perfection in, in a way that might not be the most healthy way. But how every time that I revisit that, am I learning in a new way? How every time that I revisit the maxims, do they enlighten my life in a different way? And and do I meet myself in a different way in that place? Do I meet God in a different way in that place? There's an invitation from God kind of saying, have you ever thought to look at it like this? Maybe this maxim isn't really about humility. It isn't about, you know, putting yourself aside, but maybe it's about loving yourself. Mm -hmm and letting yourself be loved in this situation. So I think there's always an invitation. I'm always amazed by which maxims and which maxims jump out to me, which maxims jump out to different people. Uh, but I will always remember sitting in that passenger seat in, <laughs> in that car with that sister being like, okay, you know, this is our six and a half of this road yeah. trip. Where Here we are. <laughs> yeah, Father Madai, we're gonna, we're gonna spend some time yeah. with one of our founders right now. That's so great. Um, I don't have a story quite as, as great as that one, but it does, as you're talking, remind me of our journey, Colleen, you and I, when we had the opportunity to travel together to Le Puy, France, which is considered our foundation site where our community was founded, where Father Jean-Pierre Madai and our first six women, you know, really kind of this Holy Spirit moment, you know, where they connected and came together and had this realization, this dream, this inspiration from God to form 
um, the Congregation of Sisters of St. Joseph, you know, one of these very early apostolic orders of women religious, you know, at this time in 1650 in France, you know, it was pretty radical for this notion of like, hey, you know what? Fun secret. We're going to have women actually doing ministry in the community. Single women is unheard of. Right. At the time. Yeah. I think that's, it is. It's incredible. And like, you know, our first women dressed as widows so that they could move more freely through the city to be able to, you know, be about the works, the needs of the times, you know, serving orphans and hungry and those who were suffering, who were sick. And so, you know, when we were able to go there, I think where I'm connecting this is just to say that, like, for me, being in Le Puy, France, in that place and space where Jean-Pierre Medaille and our first women really like walked, where they prayed, where they cried, where they too probably, you know, struggled with the maxims and loved the maxims. And um, it, it was really powerful. I think kind of this connection point of it could be right here where you know, Father Jean-Pierre and what I wrote these. And I think it also really connected in the sense of like um, our humanness, like in 1650, the fact that like probably our first women were also sitting around the hearth, making lace, wondering if they too were enough. Mm -hmm. And here I am, I can't do mental math, however many hundreds of years later Mm -hmm. that, you know, I too share in that same human struggle of, am I enough? Am I loved? Am I lovable? You know, that this like is something that is, is part of our human journey and that these, you know, at the heart, the real heart of these maxims and our spirituality, our charism really is just so real and human and that it's still relatable. However many, you know, couple hundred years later. And that even in this moment, talking about it, like for us sharing in that experience of being in France together and walking in their footsteps and knowing that like they too, you know, Sister Anna Braun probably sat here and also read this maxim and also thought, you know, am I loved by God? Am I enough? And that this maxim is saying you you are. Yeah. I think the fact that, you know, these maxims I think to be on those cobblestones in France and say, you know, never run ahead of grace. Well, when you're running up a hill, you go, oh, that has a much different feeling of like, oh, if we're in the moment right now, something is starting. How do I not move ahead of grace? But I find that even in community, you know, everybody has a different reaction to the maxims because they're passed down from generation to generation. And so it's not just, oh, this connects me to my founding sisters. It does. But it also connects me to the sisters who I live with. Because they had encounters with the Maxims, because every generation of Sisters of St. Joseph has an encounter. I, I think they're, the Maxims are making kind of comeback right now. They're making a resurgence because, you know, we in our formation, Erin, you know, like uh-huh. we happened upon them and we were allowed to study them at our leisure and take them in. And I know, you know, Sisters in the 1950s, they were memorizing them. They were like quizzed on the maxim. It was the way that they learned them. And so in some ways it was like, oh, it was something to be achieved. And so I think like now it's amazing to watch our sisters discover the maxims in a new way. Mm, In a relational way. Yeah. And in a different place in their life when it's not, oh, you're going to get in trouble if you can't recite the maxims perfectly. Instead, it's 
why don't you take some time while you're on retreat and sit, you know, sit with Jesus and contemplate what this maxim means for you right now. And then to be able to talk about it in community, to be able to talk about it in community with my sisters sitting around, whether it's we're in prayer or over dinner and say, you know, I've been thinking about this maxim. I've been praying with this maxim. What, what are you praying with? Like what's resonating with you? right now. And I think it's it's an amazing link because, you know, sometimes like intergenerationally, we can miss each other on different planes. We think we're talking about the same thing, but we're not really. And the maxims offer an opportunity where it's like, oh, here's a common denominator. Here's a common language that we speak. And I can say, oh, this is how I interpret this. How do you interpret it? And then we can kind of grow in relationship in that process. So I think it really is. It's a gift. It takes us all the way back to our very roots in France. Yeah. And it brings us all the way up to the present and everyone in between. I think that's the amazing thing about being, you know, being sisters and being sisters of St. Joseph is that like, we never forget those who came before us because we're always building on the legacy of love that, you know, that we yeah. built that image of lace. You brought up lace, like lace makers. Mm-hmm. In like we're all woven together. And so yeah. the maxims kind of do that for us is kind of says like, oh, what would it mean to be modest right now? What does it mean to live with zeal in the 21st century? What does that look like? And I think they're big questions for me to ask myself, but they're big questions for us to ask, you know, to ask one another in relationship. Yeah. Well, and maybe that will be our next getting to know us episode is what does it look like for us to live into those values of, you know, zeal and humility and and modesty. Um, But I think that's a great transition point. So I know that we've been sharing so much today about ourselves and our relationship with our congregation's maxims. And um, you got a a little blurb about our founder and our original six sisters, the courageous and faithful souls that, that they were that sort of gave life to, as Colleen said, you know, this fabric that we've been part of for, you know, hundreds of years, our sisters and associates and partners in mission, our alums, you know, this family of St. Joseph that spans the globe. We have sisters and associates and partners in mission all around the world. And so I think that that's just, you know, a beautiful note right there to capture as like, this is who we are. And and this is this beautiful opportunity to use the maxims as this connection point for all of us. And so we hope that you have heard some maxims today that maybe touched your soul, your spirit, that maybe interested you, and perhaps you will also pray with them. Thank you for tuning in to listen to us today to share, and we look forward to sharing with you again. You've been listening to Beyond the Habit. If you enjoyed listening to us today, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. We appreciate any kind reviews you'd like to leave us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get the show. Also, be sure to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram, or send us an email at beyondthehabitpod at gmail.com. Thank you also to all those who have made this podcast possible, especially our sisters from the Congregation of St. Joseph and the Sisters of St. Joseph of Philadelphia, our sound editor, Angie Hayes, our music composer, Matthew Dolan, our producer, Elizabeth Powers, and Sister Sarah Simmons, who works with us on preparing these episodes. We look forward to sharing more with you next time. Bye. Thanks. Bye.
they're like an encouragement. They're like a guidebook along the way. 